it bothers me. It, it grieves me that so much of the church has never thought of telling Jewish people about Jesus or Muslims, or sometimes they have no Great Commission heart at all. There's a lot of reasons that keep followers of Jesus from telling Jewish people about Jesus. Did you know that there are studies now that reveal that there are over 1 million followers of Jesus worldwide from a Jewish background? Jewish people around the world are coming to the Lord in large numbers. What's responsible for this? And how can we reach out to more people of Jewish descent with the gospel of Jesus? Hi, and welcome to this episode of Inside the Epicenter with Joel Rosenberg, a podcast of the Joshua Fund a ministry dedicated to blessing Israel and her neighbors in the name of Jesus. I'm Carl Muller, Executive Director of the Joshua Fund. And in today's episodes, we're going to look at this phenomenon that's happening around the world with Joel Rosenberg from Jerusalem. Joel, welcome to our podcast today. Glad to have you. (laughs) Thank you. It's great to be with you, Carl. And I'm happy to be one of those million or so Jewish people, Jewish background uh, descent yeah. uh, that believes in Jesus. Something huge is happening. It's a, it's a great spiritual awakening among the Jewish world, and very few Christian media outlets are either aware of it or are talking about it. And I don't understand that, but I'm glad that you want to talk about it today. Yeah, we do. We, you know, others are, are not even seeing it, but you know, we have a we have a unique vantage point. You know, being with you in Israel, and we're in the United States here, and then we're looking at this and we're saying, "Wow, God is doing something really unique." In fact, there's some signs in the larger culture that are also, you know, pointing to this. This is now becoming a more common conversation among people of Jewish background, isn't it? It is. One of the things I, I just have to say as we begin is. There's a great new movie that I absolutely love and highly recommend to people, not because I agree with every single thing in it, but but it's so interesting. It's called The Fablemans. Okay? It's, oh, Steven it's, Spielberg. Uh, produced by Steven Spielberg. I mean, directed yeah. by him and uh, the most influential filmmaker of all time, Steven Spielberg, happens to be Jewish. Tony Kushner, who wrote the screenplay, Jewish, and, and, and one of the most influential uh, playwrights and screenwriters um, of our time. These two have written an absolutely fascinating film called The Fablemans, and it's a very thinly veiled story of Steven Spielberg's upbringing. The kid that plays well, – the, the two kids who at a very young age and then an older age, a teenager, look exactly like Steven Spielberg at those ages. And Spielberg's not acting like this isn't his story. He, I mean they change the names, but – the house looks the same, he says. The, the the clothing looks the same. Every detail is the same. And basically, Spielberg wants to tell the story of how he fell in love with making movies. But that's all woven into his childhood in which he loved his parents, but his parents got a very, very uh, painful divorce and it scarred him. And uh, the mom ends up having an affair with the, the, the father's best friend. And it's really sad. But it's also funny. It's also sweet. It's also, but you're as you're watching it, you're watching the world's most successful and influential filmmaker tell the story of how he fell in love with movies and how it became an imaginative escape for him as he was growing up. So that would be interesting enough, but it wouldn't apply to this program unless of all unless <laughs> yes. there was a scene in it in which the girl that he's falling in love with and she's falling in love with him turns out to be a follower of Jesus and tries to convert Steven Spielberg to Christianity. And you're like, what is happening in this scene? Like I've never heard 
First of all, the scene has to be true. It has to be from his life. I I can't think of any other reason, Carl. Sure. Why to include it? Steven Spielberg and Tony Kushner would put a scene like this in their movie that's so closely aligned with Steven's actual real life, unless it really happened. But I've never read this in any biography of Spielberg. I've never heard him talk about it in an interview. I'd love to interview him, maybe for this podcast, maybe for the TBN show. I don't know. But what just happened? And, you know, just one little funny moment. It's a funny scene, actually. It, you yeah. know, she's not being coercive, but she she really likes him. And he's like, mm, she seems pretty nice. And she's like, "You, I can't date you unless you fall in love with Jesus. And he's like, what? And she's like, you need Jesus. And he says, well, our people have been doing pretty well without him for the last 4,000 years. <laughs> now, again, that little side note, you know, that, yeah. that shows how little the poor young man knew about that Jesus hasn't been around for 4,000 years. It was only 2,000, right. but whatever the point. So it's a very funny, sweet scene, but it's also. It has the ring of truth, is, I'm sure. Yeah. It, Authenticity. It, it, because what you've seen in America particularly, but also worldwide, is a lot of interdating, a lot of intermarriage, a lot of Christian and Jewish cultures intermingling, not hostily, but in terms of curiosity and sure. even affection uh, in the film, it deals with the anti-Semitism that Steven Spielberg experienced actually from this, some of these girls, friends, this girl's mm. friends. But so it's not like there's not anti-Semitism in this film, but, but it's clear in the film that this girl is not an anti-Semite. She really does like him and she really does see a possible future, but this is important to her. It's not important to him. And it's interesting. And, you know, it, it reminded me, all right, two last things. The, the film was interesting to me, The Fablements, because of this, but also because I got my first movie camera, a little Super 8 movie camera, when I was eight years old, okay? And that was the same year I happened to come to faith in Jesus. So mm-hmm. while I didn't grow up to be a world-famous filmmaker, I loved movies. I, so this movie was interesting to me to watch a young boy discover his love for storytelling particularly through film. And I, you know, I'm not talking about video. I'm talking about back in like actual film where you had to like take it out of the camera and send it away and then wait for it to come back and then cut it with scissors or an editing machine and glue it together. Like this is just the technical detail of my young life. That was until I went to film school, Syracuse University. I didn't continue with it. But for me, film school didn't set me into motion, become a world famous filmmaker but somebody who was passionate, not about the art and the craft of filmmaking, but of storytelling. Mm. And um, so th- at every level, the filmmaking part, the Spielberg, I love Spielberg's work. And, um, but also the scene, which is so interesting. And, and it, I think it ties into our conversation today, which is why first, the question is, how do we know this? How do we know that there are approximately a million right. people in the world who now love Jesus are followers of Jesus and they're from a Jewish background. Right. They may not call themselves messianic. They may not call themselves Hebrew Christians or the other terms that are out there. Many of them just call themselves even juggles, but they have a Jewish father or mother or both or a Jewish grandparent. Sure. So first of all, how do we know that? But the other question is why? What's going on in the Jewish community that's creating such curiosity that this is even would be in a movie? Like this used to be verboten. You would never talk about it. The only other time I can think of it was there was a Woody Allen movie a few years ago that Lynn and I saw here in Israel. And I don't remember the name right off the top, but of course it was funny, but it was um, – th- th- this family had – this Jewish family had a 
a brother who was like got involved in the mafia or something and he got arrested and he's, he goes to prison and he's going to be executed for stuff he actually did. And so, but when they come to visit him in prison, he tells them, I just have to tell you that I've become a Christian because I now know I'm going to die. And I, I, you never taught me what's going to happen when we die. But somebody came and explained to me that I need Jesus and then I will go to heaven. And I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> Woody Allen has put this in his movie. Like, I wish I could remember off the top of my head what that yeah. film was. Like, just not your well, normal way, but but something is going on. Something's going on, you know, and we, we, maybe we'll do a whole podcast sometime on scenes in movies that point to uh, the gospel and the, and the biblical narrative there. But, you know, that the reality is, as you said, this study that we're familiar with has indicated a huge growth in the number of believers from a Jewish background and the spiritual awakening that's under underway right now in the Jewish community worldwide. What particularly is leading or, or creating that movement right now, do you think? Well, the first and most definite thing is that this is a movement of prayer, Yeah, that there are many Christians who love their Jewish neighbors, family members, if there's been intermarriage, lawyers, doctors, whoever the Jewish people in their lives are, they love them and they sincerely want the best for them. And they don't get weird with their theology. They think, I love this person. I care about them. I want them to know how to go to heaven. I want them to find forgiveness of their sins. Jesus is the Messiah, and he is Jewish. That doesn't mean every Jewish person wants to hear it. <laughs> Most yeah. don't. And that doesn't mean every Jewish person is going to say yes. Most don't. Mm -hmm. But it shows the sincerity of prayer and then at least telling Jewish people the good news message of the gospel. And that is important because – if Jesus really is the Jewish Messiah that we, our people have waited for, then the most Jewish thing in the world to do is to say yes to him and, and follow him. But, but how are we going to call on the name of Jesus as our Messiah if we've never heard this explanation of who he is? And how are we going to hear that unless someone tells us this? And how is mm -hmm. someone going to tell us unless other people say, you should go tell somebody? Yeah. I don't mean being weird. I don't mean being mean or coercive or mm -hmm. deceptive. I'm saying – like, if you love somebody, you, they should at least have a chance to at least hear yeah. the message and be able to ask questions. They can reject it, but how can they receive it if they don't even know it? So the first thing is prayer and the love of Christians uh, for Jews, which is really because Christians more and more have gotten into reading the Bible for themselves. It's not what a mm -hmm. priest tells them. And if they cut out all the story of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the nation of Israel, then how would you in, in the pew ever know that the Jewish right. people were important to God, right? If a right. pastor or priest just cuts it out. And that's what happened for 1900 years or so. Hmm. Hmm. But so prayer and love and evangelicalism really getting into the word of God. And the last thing is prophecy, Yeah, right? We are heading towards what the apostle Paul described in Romans chapter 11, verse 16. We're heading towards all Israel will be saved. The world we're going to is from a, a world in which when I was born in 1967, there were fewer than 2,000 Jewish people on planet Earth wow. that believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is God, that he is the fulfillment of all these messianic prophecies. Fewer than 2,000 in 1967. Fifty-five years later, there are approximately a million. So we are heading towards a Romans 11:16 world, a world in which all Israel will be saved. And and the combination of those dynamics is why 
there is such openness in, in the Jewish community. And again, not every Jewish person. And uh, But this is an encouraging Very encouraging. Line. Well, we see it in the Joshua Fund because, you know, our mission is to bless Israel and her neighbors in the name of Jesus. That goes hand in and glove with seeing Jewish background people embrace their Messiah and come into faith. And, you know, while our message and our mission is not to be an objection for people, we want to be a bridge. We want to be a, a welcoming, open door. What are some of the means? I know that you know this from what we've uh, seen as the Joshua Fund happening. There are organizations doing some things in Israel that are particularly powerful for explaining the gospel to Jewish people. You know, maybe you can talk about some of those things that are going on. Absolutely. Well, one of those, of course, is a ministry called the Israel College of the Bible, which is a part of a larger ministry set called One for Israel. Mm -hmm. And their premise is there's a lot of ways to bless Israel, but the one <laughs> thing that Israel needs is, above all, is Yeshua, is Jesus. Yeah, um, right. So that he, Jesus, Yeshua, is the one for Israel. That he, he is Israeli. He is Jewish. He came for his own. His own received him not, but but as many as did receive him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, uh, from John chapter 1. So that ministry, among other things, they, they, they run a Bible college, the only Bible college here in Israel for Israelis. There are Bible colleges that are mostly for foreign students coming, which is important to learn the Bible and learn the, the land and so forth. But Israel College of the Bible, where my wife is an, an associate uh, uh, professor. Full disclosure. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, full disclosure, right? And the Josh Fund is a, is a, has been a significant investor yeah. in the work of the Israel College of the Bible over the years. So they are a Bible college training people, but they're also creating videos over the years of Jewish people, Israeli Jews and Jews from around the world, explaining in their own words, in short videos, six, seven minutes long, whatever it is, why – they have come to faith in Jesus. And I, I like to say that these videos are fascinating. They are. And to Jews, they're like Pringles. You can't eat just one. Like you might go, what? <laughs> A Jewish person believes in Jesus? No, I don't believe that. You, you show me one video, fine. There's like 15 million Jews in the world. I don't, oh, there's another video? All right, let me see that one too. And then the, the rabbis got all mad at these videos and they said, they banned them. Do not watch these. These are verboten. Like, And then, you know, once it was banned, people were like, I want to see it. So I got to see it. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think right now, um, like I did a whole show on this topic on my TBN Rosenberg report show uh, in uh, it was actually my Thanksgiving episode uh, last November, because this is one of the things I'm most thankful for. People mm -hmm. are telling Jewish people about Jesus and a lot of Jewish people are saying yes. So that's yeah. a good thing. I'm thankful for it. But I explained in that over 200 million views right. have happened so far of the English language videos of Jews explaining why they've come to faith in Jesus. I'm one of them. My father's yeah. another. And yeah, your uh, story is on the, one of the videos there. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so all, when you look at all the videos that they've made, it's they've been seen more than 200 million times. Amazing. Now of the ones that are here of, of, of Israelis who've come to faith in Jesus, and these are done in Hebrew, right? There are more than 40 million, 40 or 50. I can't remember exactly. Amazing. Million views. Now there aren't 40 or 50 million Hebrew speakers on planet earth. Right. right. So what's happening? Well, people are watching more than one. Again, they're like Pringles. You can't eat just one because <laughs> you're like, I just don't understand how that person could believe that. How any yeah. Jewish person, how any Israeli could believe. Yeah. Let me see another. Let me see another. Yeah. And anyway, so these are just some of the ways well, that we're seeing um, 
It's, people it's at least amazing. have a conversation. Now, yeah. finally, people are able to search. You want to search for Jesus? You want to search for the Messiah? You yeah. can literally search on Google or Yahoo or whatever amazing. and find people that are at least making the case. Yeah. That's, that's important. Well, we're going to take a quick break uh, right now. And I'm, I'm tempted to say that this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Pringles. But uh, we are absolutely <laughs> uh, going to come back and talk a little bit about how to overcome some of the obstacles uh, that Jewish people have when it comes to recognizing Jesus as the Messiah. We'll be back in a minute. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Our verse of the day today is found in Romans 11.26. It says, And so all Israel will be saved. As it is written, The Deliverer will come out of Zion, and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. And our prayer requests today are that, number one, pray that more and more Jewish people and people from around the Middle East will come to the saving knowledge of the Lord. And second, Pray that the hearts of Jewish people around the world are opened to the gospel and that the resources that they need are available to them so that they can be discipled in their faith. Joel, we're back and, you know, we're talking about this phenomenon that's happening. And and even though it's not fully recognized yet, and I want to ask you about that, you know, this is happening uh, certainly statistically and uh, survey wise, it's proven to be a case where we're in the last 70 years or so. There's been, you know, movements from just a few thousand to now over a million by estimates of Jewish background people believing in Jesus. But it's not really publicized much in the world, especially even in the Christian world. I mean, any thoughts on that? And then we're going to talk about why some of the obstacles there have been to seeing Jewish people come to faith in in Messiah. Yeah, well, I'm a little stumped, I'll tell you. I don't <laughs> usually say that on this podcast. I mean, sort of part of the point of the podcast is that I'm mm-hmm. providing answers to people who are asking questions, <laughs> uh, either your questions or the questions you're channeling from others. But mm-hmm. I'm stumped. I, I don't understand exactly why uh, Christian media hasn't picked this up, why seminaries aren't sort of picking up on this and, and explaining it. The simple truth is, I, I, I don't know. I don't understand it. I will say that you know, the Bible tells us in Romans one sixteen, not to be ashamed of the gospel. Paul is speaking for himself. He's saying, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first, but also to the Greek, right? So whether you're Jewish or Greek speaking at the time, meaning you're pagan, you were not Jewish, you were you know a Gentile. He's saying, I don't have any shame in explaining this to other people because 
because how else are they going to know the truth? This is how you get saved is by discovering that Jesus died on a cross to pay the penalty for your sins. You can pay them yourself, but you'll be in hell forever. You can't get out because you can't pay for all your sins. So either you can pay for them yourself and die and go to hell forever with no way out, or someone else can pay for your sins. And the only person who could ever do that would be Jesus because he's the Messiah, because that was his mission. So this is what Paul is saying in the entire book of Romans. It's fascinating, uh, you know, spiritual, but also incredibly lucid intellectual account. What is really going on when we talk about the gospel? Why is it so such good news? Mm-hmm. Because it releases us from hell. From it, it lets us be adopted by God and be part of his family rather than burning in hell forever. So that's like a big deal. That is good news. There only can be good news if there's bad news. Yeah. And the bad news is we're sinners and there's no way out of that. You know, there's no temple to go have our sins you know, covered in an Old Testament way. Either the Messiah came or he didn't. Hmm. So all that is the case. Now, but, but what's interesting to me, therefore, is we're supposed to tell everybody, including Jewish people, this good news, regardless of whether they say yes or not. Hmm. It's, just, it's just supposed to tell people. It's up to mm-hmm. them to say yes, or at least mm-hmm. ask questions and start a process. But at a time when so many Jewish people are saying yes, if there are fruit on the trees, why aren't we harvesting? Yeah. What what is going on with the church right now? And I think the church has gotten wrapped up in a lot of other issues, some of which are important and some of which is just nonsense and noise. Mm. But this is a problem. And and I feel like, you know, for me, who's Gentile on my mom's side and Jewish on my father's side, to me, this is very interesting because I don't feel like, like, well, I'm a Jewish partisan or a Gentile partisan. I feel very both and in my own DNA. I've got both. So, of course, I ought to love both sides. It bothers me. It it grieves me, to be be more precise about it, that so much of the church is – has never thought of telling Jewish people about Jesus or Muslims or sometimes they have no great commission heart at all or they have sort of ruled out the Jews as, well, they're too hardened or dumb or – sinful to get it. So we're not even going to bother. There's a lot of reasons why people don't do it. Or they do love Jewish people and they feel very sensitive to the way people in the name of Christianity have so badly mistreated Jews. So they step the back centuries. completely. There's a lot of reasons that keep yeah. followers of Jesus from telling Jewish people about Jesus. But all of them are an excuse. They may be legitimate. They may not in terms of how a person feels. But in the end, we've been commanded to do it and commanded in the Bible not to be ashamed of it. And so at a time when the dad is telling us that Jews are listening and many are saying yes, why wouldn't the church be talking about it openly? And I would say the answer is – there's a lot of answers, but at the core of it is Satan is throwing sand in people's eyes. They're (laughs) trying to get people distracted. Love Israel, but don't tell them about Jesus. Or hate Israel and don't tell them about Jesus. Or don't care about Israel and don't tell them about Jesus. Like – Whatever the premise is, the outcome is don't tell them about Jesus. Exactly. Well, it's it's ironic, isn't it? Because I, I know you say this tongue in cheek to some degree, but the reality is it's the only country in the world that has a guarantee of salvation, you know, and so all Israel will be saved. I mean, at some point, we have seen that this is now a ripe harvest field and it's a place for for us to be engaged in. And I appreciate now, that. L- now, let me clarify one thing, because sure. somebody could add a new 
objection. Well, why should I tell Jewish people or the Israelis? Because they're all going to get saved anyway. Why why, why should I bother? Okay. Oh, my gosh. Well, because God told (laughs) you to do it. Oy vey. (laughs) God commanded you to do it. Jesus did it. Paul did it. Peter did it. Who? Why? What makes you better than them? Right. Right. You're not. I'm not. That's the first thing. The second thing is, let's just take a moment since we opened this can of worms theologically, (laughs) just to be clear. Yeah. Romans 11, 16, all Israel will be saved, shall be saved, Mm -hmm. is not evidence that every Jewish person that walks on the face of the earth from this point to the second coming is going to get saved. That's not what that verse is saying. Exactly. Otherwise, Paul wouldn't be saying in the very same page, how are they going to believe unless you tell them? Right. right now, so I got to take a lot of theology and a lot of prophecy and, and crunch it down and make it simple. I'm yeah. happy to do another podcast where we take we the accordion and open it up. But let me just say briefly for this podcast, listen, our job is to tell people about Jesus, whether they're Jewish or not. That's our job. God's job is to save people. Mm-hmm. Our job is try to persuade people, but not be mean, not be weird, not be deceptive, not be cruel, not be you know coercive. Okay, that's our job. God's job is to convince them. A lot of people are not going to believe whether they're Jewish or not. But what Romans eleven sixteen is literally saying, when you put it in the context with all the other prophecies, is there's going to be a group of Jewish people that go through history, including through the seven years of tribulation, mm-hmm. and they're not going to get saved. Mm-hmm. You're like, wait, no, you just said, Joel, that they are going to get saved. Well, hold on. So many Jews do get saved during from this point, you know, a million or so now and and going forward. And, and it's described in the book of Revelation, right, the final prophecies of the end of days, that there's going to be 144,000 Jews who not only get saved, but they sort of get anointed by God to be the, the Billy Grahams and the yeah. and the Greg Lauries and, you know, whatever, evangelists to go tell the whole world, including Jewish people, about Jesus. Yeah. There's going to be an angel flying through the air preaching the gospel. There's going to be two Jewish witnesses. Some say Moses and Elijah. We don't know exactly the law and the prophets standing in front of a future temple in Jerusalem, just down the street, and they're going to be preaching the gospel. And many Jews will get saved during this period, but not all. You're mm. like, again, Joe, you just said all. Oh, you How many? No, hold on. Yeah. Hold on. What's going to happen is this group of people, they're going to say, no, 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 I don't believe it. You cannot convince me of that. Some of them are going to die. And not be saved because they've rejected That's Jesus as Messiah. And, the, and, and Moses himself in Deuteronomy 18 says a prophet is coming and you need to follow him. You need to listen to him. If you do not, you will be cut off from Israel. Hmm. That's Moses saying there's someone coming and you better listen to him and follow him or else you're out. Right. That's what's going to be happening. But there's going to be this remnant that's resisting, resisting. They're resisting the angel in the sky. They're resisting the 144,000 Jewish Billy Grahams. They're resisting the two witnesses in front of the temple. Nothing is working. They get down to the final moments before the literal second coming of the Messiah, where at that moment, they're going to be judged and they're going to go to hell forever. And at that moment, Zechariah chapter 12 says, God is going to supernaturally and sovereignly open up a fountain of grace. He's going to save a hardened group of people at the last possible second that have rejected Jesus to just that close to hell. Mm -hmm. And they were all going to get saved. Yeah. And you're like, well, why would God do that? Because God is a gracious God. How do we get saved? Like, like it's by grace. 
it's by grace. It's it, yeah. meaning we don't merit it. We it, it's not because of what we did. It's because of what God has done. And this is going to be the ultimate example of God saving and act, the entire nation of Israel that's left, the entire Jewish population on the world in the world left that rejected Him in the most bitter and hardened way, and they all get saved. Yeah. Now, and as you go through Zechariah twelve, Isaiah fifty three. You know, Isaiah 53 starts with who has even believed our report? We're trying to explain this and they're not listening. Yeah. Okay. And the same thing with Zechariah, like, but he opens up this fountain of grace and now there's weeping as they begin to realize how close they came to eternal Mm. suffering and damnation. And yet God loved them so much that he saved them. Now you say, well, then let's just, why should we tell people? Because look, (laughs) You will stand before God, and I will stand before God. You'll stand before the Messiah, I will. And he'll say, just to be clear, did you not tell my people hmm. because of Romans eleven sixteen? Didn't you read Romans 10? Didn't you read yeah. Romans 1? Like, seriously, you, that was the basis of not telling my people? I don't want There's to a lot that. of tough things in this world, including Jewish people hating me for telling people about Jesus. I get it. But I do not intend to stand before the Jewish Messiah in heaven one day and have him say, dude, what was wrong with you? I saved you. Why didn't you tell other people this good news? What you you literally kept it from my people? Well, yes. how? Why? I don't want to have that conversation with Jesus. No, I don't encourage sure. anybody listening or watching this podcast to have that conversation with Jesus. And so we do it because we're commanded to do it, and because we ought to want to do it, yeah. whether someone says yes or not. It's not about whether they say yes. It's about did they have a chance to say yes? Sure. Well, anyway, th- so it is amazing. And I just want to, I'm glad we could, thank you for letting me just take a moment there to say that's the all Israel that's going to get saved at the, at the final moment. And when you realize that, what you don't want to say is, well, my, maybe my Jewish friend or neighbor, maybe they're going to be one of the people. Yeah, maybe. Maybe is not a good maybe strategy. maybe die in the tribulation yeah. before, or, or even before the rapture. Like you're going to gamble that. Ultimately, it's their responsibility, but you have a responsibility before God. You actually know the truth, and the truth has set you free. So how can you not be engaged in the very work of telling people how to not go to hell? It's not good. And so – Anyway, that's the short version. Well, you, you've convinced me. We're going to do a whole podcast on this one for sure. But but the reality is in this moment where Jewish people are turning to their Messiah in numbers that we've never seen in all of human history since the time of Jesus, this is a moment not to shirk back, not to say that all Israel will be saved. And I want to summarize what you just said. Now's the time to actually engage the conversation because there are more and more examples of Jewish people who have accepted Jesus as their Messiah and are believing and walking in that direction. I think that's incredible encouragement. And I, and I thank you, Joel, for helping us come to grips with that and to recognize, to pray that more people would follow Jesus in Israel and in the Middle East in general. And that in some way, uh, we at the Joshua Fund and you through the numerous ministries that you, that you are engaged in, numerous works that you're doing, would help bring that conversation forward. So I want to thank you. Let's pray also, Carl. Let's just add a footnote to bring us back full circle. Let's pray that the Fableman's movie gets people to go, why would a Jewish person think that maybe he or she needed Jesus? Like, God can use a lot of different ways, but I didn't see that one coming. Well, you know what? And uh, this is also going to be another podcast where we talk about movies and Jewish people and the gospel. Like, like I remember uh, Chariots of Fire, and I remember thinking to mm-hmm. myself, what a beautiful and, and powerful right. understanding of the differences yes. and the way in which a Jewish person can be 
you know, hardened in the way that, that so many are. I just think uh, God is doing some amazing things right now and he's opening and he's softening hearts. So let's continue to pray that that continues. Well, if you are from a Jewish background and maybe not, but if you found this podcast really valuable, we would love it if you got in touch with us. Uh, Let us know who you are. Are you searching for Jesus? You'll find him here in this podcast. Do you want to talk about something else on the show? Another question that you might want to ask Joel? Go to joshuafund.com and click on Contact Us. Your feedback is incredibly valuable as we develop this podcast. And as always, you can check out our show notes for anything you heard on this podcast that you'd like more information on. For Joel Rosenberg and the Joshua Fund Ministry team, I'm Carl Muller. Thanks for listening to this episode of Inside the Epicenter with Joel Rosenberg. Hello, my name's Rachel Carmen, and I want to invite you to come over and listen to my podcast. It's called Real Refreshment. For years and years as a young mother, I chased after the wind, thinking that the world could offer me the refreshment I longed for. But it was only when I discovered it in the person of Jesus Christ that I really found refreshment. Come on over and join me as we dig into Bible study. I'll see you there.